0: What do I mean by revival of the fittest? Find out on this episode of Pushback. If you're concerned about the direction our culture is heading, then maybe it's time to push back. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Pushback. I'm Dr. Johnny here with another podcast this week, uh, sharing my heart with you about kingdom truths, principles, uh, the things that we're facing here in this world, and knowing that we are the ambassadors of heaven and we are the ones that set and shape culture. And so if you're concerned about the direction culture is heading... Then it might be time to push back, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about a few things. I have a lot of ground to cover, so I'm going to just jump right into it. I am struggling with a little bit of a head cold, so you're going to notice that I probably sound a little bit like a blow horn or something like that. But uh, other than a few sniffles, I think my voice is going to hold up just fine, and we can get through. I believe an important, fairly exciting topic. Uh, sometimes, you know when you're talking about pushing back against culture, sometimes it comes across maybe even a little bit negative, like we're seeing the problems and we need to inject ourselves into those cultural issues. Today I'm going to talk about revival. Revival is a wonderful thing. And in the news is a revival that is breaking out in Kentucky. And I want to share because as I dig more into the story, it raises your eyebrows about this area in Kentucky. uh, And, uh, some excitement that really is taking place there. It began on Wednesday, February 8th. So I'm recording this podcast on February 15th, so we're already one week into it uh, and further. Uh, it was started as just a time of prayer, praise, worship, music, and testimonies, uh, all on the uh, the campus of Asbury University, ASBURY, Asbury University in Kentucky. And uh, this was a chapel service at the university itself, and it has now been going on for well over a week, uh, pretty much continually with prayer, singing, praise. It's been a beautiful movement of God. It's being described as a revival uh, it's saying a movement that only God could orchestrate and keep going. What began with students has blossomed and grown to include people from all over the country. People as far as away as Oregon have heard about this and are showing up to sing. Raise their hands in praise or kneel down to pray is what it says on the news. Uh a Quote from someone who traveled from Nashville, no big lights or big media or anything like that. It's proof that the Lord is working right now. Amazing to see. We just wanted to be part of that desperately. Hmm. Desperately is a powerful word in that sentence and often is a trigger to revival. Some people say it's hard to describe what is happening or what has caused the service to go on and on and on. But people uh, feel like it's simple yet profound. Dr. Kevin Brown is the president of Asbury University. He said, we would say there is just a spirit of the Lord in this place. (laughs) Really, uh, it's into the hearts and minds of our students and staff, faculty, and our community. Dr. Brown told us that there are still classes taking place, but the faculty is being very flexible (laughs) and, of course, understanding if students would rather be at the chapel than in class. (laughs) That just makes me happy. (laughs) So revival breaking out at a university in Kentucky, I've read more about how the universities surrounding and now are starting to become involved and starting to catch what they call the quote fire end quote that's happening in that area. There's a simplicity about this revival yet a beauty as well. Revival is a word that's thrown around a lot and, and that's what I feel is part of the purpose of this podcast is to try to help bring definition. I'm going to give a little bit of Dr. Johnny's perspective at the end on revival itself. But if I can just take 10 to 15 minutes and, and just review revival in America, this is a public service announcement uh, going back in time because there have been many what we call revivals or awakenings that have taken place throughout American history. And there are these, these moments of, of, of connection, moments of, of, like that one person said, a desperateness in people's hearts as they are drawing and being pulled to the things of God and being connected to his heart in worship. And that has been what we have called revivals, these times where meetings continue and there's a hunger and a thirst for more. The first Great Awakening was 1734 through 43. Sometimes we roll past these dates. Um, That is nine years, (laughs) nine years period of time. 1734, the first revival of historic significance broke out in Northampton, Massachusetts, where a young Jonathan Edwards was pastor. News started spreading like wildfire and similar revivals broke out uh, all over the New England area. Starting in Philadelphia in 1739, John, John uh, Whitfield's dramatic preaching was like striking a match to an already underway awakening. An estimated 80% of America's 900,000 colonists personally heard Whitfield preach. That's just a staggering statistic. Second Great Awakening, 1800 to 1840. It's 40 years only one in 15 of America's population of the 5.3 million belonged to an evangelical church the Presbyterian member uh, Minister James McGready um, presided over a strange spiritual manifestations in Logan County Kentucky there's Kentucky again Charles Finney began a career that would eventually convert 500,000 to Christ Second Great Awakening there's something called the Businessman Revival, 57 to 58. Uh, the Dutch church in New York City hired a businessman, Jeremiah Lanfear, a businessman, to be a lay missionary. He prayed, quote, Lord, what would you have me to do? End quote. That's a very dangerous prayer, by the way. Things broke out and revivals broke out everywhere in 1857, spreading all throughout the United States and the world, sometimes called the Great Prayer Meeting Revival. An estimated 1 million people were added to America's church roles, as many um, uh, as 1 million of the 4 million existing church members also converted. Exciting times, exciting moves, documented. The Urban Revivals, 1875 uh, through 1885, a young businessman, Dwight Moody, participated in the Great Revival of 1857 as it swept Chicago. Hundreds of thousands were converted and millions were inspired by the greatest soul winner of his generation. Revivals of 1905 to 1906. So listen to this. Words of the Welsh Revival in 1904 and 05 spread to Welsh-speaking settlers in Pennsylvania. And revival broke out. This was from a revival across the ocean. <laughs> and yet the fire of the spark continued. By 1905, local revival is blazed in places like Brooklyn, Michigan, Denver, um, uh, Nebraska, North and South Carolina, Georgia. Now listen, Taylor University, Yale University, and Asbury College in Wilmore, Kentucky. Jumped off the page to me. This is the same Asbury College. This is the same Wilmore, Kentucky that has just broken out in revival this week. Doesn't that blow your mind? Billy Sunday, who became a key figure about this time, preached to more than 100 million people. What? With an estimated 1 million or more conversions. It's mind-blowing. It's exciting. I'm feeling fidgety just reading about this. Azusa Street Revival, 1906. William J. Seymour, an African-American holiness pastor, blind in one eye, went to Los Angeles to candidate for a pastoral job. After he preached, he was locked out of the second service. <laughs> he began prayer meetings at a nearby home, and the Spirit of God, which they called uh, the Second Blessing, fell after many months of, con- of concerted prayer. Eventually, the interracial crowds became so large, they acquired a Methodist church on Azusa Street, where daily meetings continued for three years. The resulting Pentecostal movement and the later Charismatic movement, both exploded worldwide in the 20th century, traced their roots to this revival. The post-World War II awakening. After World War II, 1947-1948, Pentecostals experienced two strands of awakening, one called the Latter Rain Revival and the other the Healing Revival. Bill Bright began Campus Crusade for Christ and Billy Graham's distinguished career popularized evangelical Christianity and exploded on the scene. During his Los Angeles crusade, an estimated 180 million people Um, attended his nearly 400 crusades 180 million people attended his 400 crusades and millions more are viewed on television college revival started as early as 1946 charismatic renewal in the jesus movement during the late 1960s and early 1970s more revivals on national scope developed first started as the charismatic renewal which spread far beyond pentecostal and holiness churches to college campuses the catholic church and mainline denominations the second strand, the widely publicized Jesus movement, emphasized turning from drug, sex, and radical politics to taking the Bible at face value and finding Jesus as a personal savior. Listen, not surprisingly, this revival spread to campuses. Most notably, 1970s Asbury College revival in Wilmore, Kentucky. What's going on here? Asbury College revival in Wilmore, Kentucky. I, I hadn't known this. I just heard about this revival breaking out in Kentucky and was interested for my podcast. I started pulling up and realized that there had been two major revivals that has ta- have taken place at Asbury College in Wilmore, Kentucky prior to this one. Mid-1990s revival, Toronto Blessing, Melbourne revival, Brownsville revival. These are all within my lifetime, which recorded 100,000 conversions in two years in Brownsville. The Promise Keepers revival, which I attended, broke out in the mid-1990s. We can go on and on and on, and these are all exciting, exciting moments of revival in American history. And I believe one has broken out in Kentucky this week, and we keep our radar up and keep looking for these, these places, these touch points between heaven and earth. Now, God is always speaking. He's always moving. These are special moments where people come together and experience that. So the question is, what is revival? What is revival? We use the word a lot. We're hungry for it. We say that we want it. We're drawn to it. Maybe you are tempted to drive to Kentucky and participate in it and I wouldn't blame you for one second because we all need to be hungry for that for that corporate place of ministry and worship and togetherness where the spirit of the Lord is tangible and present. But let's be very clear about revival. It is not God that needs reviving. <laughs> it sounds kind of elementary to say, but God doesn't need reviving. So sometimes we talk about these as, quote, movements of God as if he is feeling like he it's time for him to usher in a revival isn't it more likely that the lord is the same yesterday today and forever that he is always moving that he is always speaking he is always flowing he is always positioning himself towards us as his people in that place of revival i believe revival is actually our willingness to jump I believe these places, these moments, these these times in history that I just explained to you and, and walked through, and that's just America, not to mention revivals all across the world. Isn't it possible that these are moments where somebody, some place, some group of people saw the river of God moving because he's always moving, he's always speaking, he's always flowing, and jumped in? I call it the cannonball moment. <laughs> In fact, often we look at these revivals and we shrug and we don't know exactly what to think and we dip our toe on the edge of the shore of revival and and try to maybe emotionally connect. But isn't it more likely that revival is when we go into the tuck position and we jump? We jump into what he's doing. Isn't it possible that the kids on this campus at the right time during this simple prayer and worship meeting just jumped and they couldn't get out they 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 are compelled to stay because the presence of the lord is so intoxicating that's what happens it's our hearts being revived it's our hearts we're putting the the cpr paddles on our hearts and chunk and we jump in and we become revived I believe revival is our willingness to jump into the river. I don't believe it's holding meetings every night like like is happening in Kentucky and hoping there will be interest in what the Lord is doing. Although there is, and people are coming. But I believe it's an interest in what the Lord is doing and then holding meetings to share and accommodate the experience. There's a critical difference. I believe that is revival. I believe that is what's happening. And so what does revival look like? And my simple answer to you, although simple, I believe is quite profound, it's this. Revival gets to look like whatever the Holy Spirit wants it to look like. <laughs> I compare it to the, the expression, you know, what does a 500-pound gorilla eat for lunch? The answer is whatever he wants to. <laughs> what does revival look like? Whatever the Holy Spirit wants to. Look like. As I was researching this podcast, I saw many articles that tried to typify, tried to explain, tried to give the 10 points of revival. And those are all based on past experiences. Well, I have this to share with you is that we actually don't get to determine what revival looks like. The Holy Spirit gets to determine. It's we jumping into the river and the river, the current of the river, taking us wherever it's going to take us. And I believe often a mistake is made when we actually camp at previous revivals. If we look back at Moody or the Jesus People Movement or and we try to camp around those and say, well, that is revival. So that's what this revival needs to look like. I believe that we're making a mistake. I believe that we're actually we're actually putting the cart before the horse. It's the tail wagging the dog. I can come up with other expressions. We don't get to decide. We just get to jump. that's what revival looks like. Maybe that's scary to some people. Maybe manifestations of revival that we have heard at other places like the Toronto blessing, very strange things were happening there. But isn't that the point? Isn't that the point? It's that place of surrender and desperation where we simply jump in and the Holy Spirit gets to manifest any way he wants to. And in fact. Sometimes, and this happened very often with Jesus and his ministry, you know, he would offend the mind to reveal the heart. He would offend the mind to reveal the heart. This is weird. This is not right. This is not in the Bible, which basically means I'm just really not that hungry or desperate. It doesn't mean that we go against the Bible. It doesn't mean that we should entertain cultish practices. It doesn't mean that that we uh, become lawless and, and orderly, orderliness uh, or lack order within the church. It's not at all what I'm saying. And in fact, I think that's an important piece to revival. But it also means that we don't get to control it. Revival gets to be whatever the Lord and his Holy Spirit says it can be. But this is what I know is that he always transitions from glory to glory. That is how he rolls. It's always an increase. It's always a promotion. It's always a crescendo. It's never a flat line of glory. It's never yesterday's glory. It never gets to look exactly the same, but it always gets to move to something greater if we'll jump in and just receive. two six says, This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while I will once more shake the heavens and the earth. Sounds a little bit like revival the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations and what is desired by all nations will come and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. Woe! The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. See, Whatever is coming next, you know, they ask people like, hey, you've won several Super Bowls. Which which is the most gratifying or which was the best? And I think the best answer is the next one. (laughs) The next one. Something breaks out in Kentucky. We should want to be there because it's the next one. Although I don't think that it's about a building. And I don't think it's about a person. When we go back and look at the history of revivals, I can often attach a name to these revivals, Moody, or Billy Graham, or Jonathan Edwards. We there's a name attached to these, and I believe that these these um, revivals, if we go back historically, they would come and they would go, and it was be, it would be a leader. Um, and the 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 revival would la- last as long as the leader could sustain it, or the revival, or the revival list. And that's not an indictment on previous revivals, but I'm releasing a new experience in revival where it actually becomes normal culture. Is it possible that because the spirit and the river is always moving, that actually revival should be a normal culture in which we live? I believe family. A healthy family brings a structure beyond the church where revival can actually live and grow and be so that these students can receive and can drink from revival but also bring it back to their homes, bring it back to their families so that it actually becomes the the framework in which revival can come and can stay. I believe family is an important piece. That's why, that's why my wife and I are so... A gung-ho on on family restoration because family brings normalcy. It brings sustainability. It brings reproducibility to a revival culture that can stay and that can be in each one of our hearts in every day, not just in a church setting or a campus setting or a chapel setting, but when we leave in our car, in our work, in our laundry room, when we're changing dirty diapers, when we're just simply doing life, I believe that can all be part of a revival culture doesn't have to specifically be at a meeting. But meetings are exciting because it's a group of people all cannonballing at the same time. And doesn't that sound exciting? And what we should be hungry for. But I believe revival can also be just a part of our regular life, a part of normal life, a part of understanding that we are actually flowing down the river of his glory at all times. So that we can participate in his glory. That 24-7 worship and prayer isn't about a building, isn't about a denomination. It isn't about a specific church or a specific church leader. I believe it's about his spirit. and That we jump in and we're immersed and we're baptized, we're dunked in the spirit of the Lord and what he is doing. And then in that situation and in that culture, revival becomes part of our everyday life. I believe that would, that's what the Spirit is moving towards. And it excites me that, that the young people at this campus are catching it and running with it. It excites me that it's contagious and other people are wanting it and being drawn to it. So I release over you and I pray over you and each one of you, your, your lives and your families that the spark of revival would would be ignited. In your places of worship, when you get together, no matter what the church or what the denomination, that the spark of revival is there and that the spirit of prayer and worship and, and humbly coming before the feet of the throne is on everybody's hearts, that there is that place of desperation, often birthed out of desperation. Heaven is drawn towards hunger. It creates a vortex. Hunger creates a vortex where his spirit comes. And I believe family, healthy family, creates this nesting place where it can come and it can stay and it can be sustained not only for a period of time but for generations. That's what I believe. (laughs) I'm preaching myself happy today. (laughs) Revival culture and revival life. It's not just revival of the fittest, the ones that can hold it, the big spiritual people, the ones up on the stage. They can spark it. They can, be, they can be an inspiration for it. But wouldn't it even be better if it just became part of normal culture? I would love to hear what you have to say, even revivals maybe that you've attended. The revival places in your heart and what you've learned and the transformation that you've had. Would you go to pushbackculture.org? There's a place to leave comments and questions. I would love to hear back from you. My heart always is for this podcast to be interactive as you listen to my heart. I would love to hear your words of encouragement. I would also love to hear things that maybe you disagree with or questions or topics that you would wish to have discussed in the future so that we can do this together because it's all about doing this together because we have a role to play here on this earth as ambassadors of heaven. So let's do it. Let's go together now to set and shape the culture.